Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tic-tac, tic-tac, tic-tac. Um, people in the chat, you won't know, but I just done a whole intro. <laughs> and I hadn't gone live. But listen, hey, it is what it is. This is why my channel is called Carnage. Carnage ensues wherever I go, it seems. You're all very, very welcome. Thank you very much for tuning in to a special edition of Transfer Carnage. I say special. Every show is special on Football Carnage, as you guys know. The road to 30,000 is so close. I believe I'm about 70 away. It would be amazing if I could reach 30,000 on a show like today's where there's plenty of other good news. So what's another bit of good news, eh? Come on, help a brother and like and subscribe if you haven't uh, as you come in. Um, You're all very, very welcome. As I said, we will be tucking into all things transfers and more specifically transfer. Because ladies and gentlemen in the chat, my esteemed guests and panel, we are on the verge, and I say verge, because we haven't, I don't mean verge, Virgil van Dijk, but on the verge of signing an actual central midfielder. And let me remind you, the last time we bought a central midfielder, the first COVID lockdown had just ended. Stefan Begetic was still at school. Donald Trump was the president of the USA. Carlo Ancelotti was the Everton manager and the Reds were newly crowned champions. Wow, that was a long time ago. Credit to all that stats and info goes to Henry Jackson. Uh, Make sure you go and check him out. Football writer for This Is Anfield. I did say I would credit him. I'm a man of my word. So there you go, Henry. Um, No need to DM me angrily and say, why did you use my stats and info? But as you guys can see, I have an esteemed panel with me. Um, uh, what's going on here? Right, so getting messages and information as we speak. Wow, what a busy night it's been. What a busy day it's been. Conroy, um, hello. We spoke last night. We, yep. we exclusively revealed, uh, well, I did. I pat myself on the back. Um, the, the price for, for the potential price for, for Alexis McAllister. Today, we were waiting for the Paul Joyce dagger, as I called it. He waited. I thought he was going to come last week. He took his time. <laughs> but this is why we love Paul Joyce, because he checks, he double checks, and he triple checks his his sources. And today, he kind of sort of um, reiterated what we've been saying, that Alexis McAllister will become a Liverpool football player this week, fingers crossed. Yeah, and like we said last night, I think it's... Uh... A massive deal if we can get it through, get it through quite early as well. You know, um, 
especially pre-season and the way we, we look at that. So I think it'd, it'd be absolutely massive signing. And, and you know how much I, I love him. I know Mo's not maybe seen me talk about McAllister, but I've, I have liked him for, for quite a long time. It's not just, you know, the trendy thing to do. I've, I've been a big fan of him for the year and a half at Brighton. So I feel like he'd suit us. His adaptability can play a six, can play an eight. Probably if he does sign, would get potentially the number 10. So he can do that position as well. I think he's a, it'd be a great asset for us. And I know we're going to speak about like the actual price. If it is anything near what they're suggesting it is, I think it might be a, a absolute snip for Liverpool. So let's hopefully, hopefully it gets confirmed sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's it's always it's always good to say that end part, um, even though everyone, including Fabrizio Romano, Mo has said that here we go um, and that it's sort of done. From my understanding, from what I've been told, the legal binding paperwork hasn't been completed. Everything points and suggests it to being completed before the end of the week. Mo, before we get into sort of the what it means as a team, as, as, as a player in our team and, and the formation and how he's a player, me and you have been speaking about FSG for months, possibly years. Um and we've had varying opinions. We don't always agree, but the beauty of it is that we absolutely respect each other and that's why we find each other talking on each other's shows and, 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 and face-to-face. Mo, one of... and I'll, but, I'll, but this time around, I was adamant, along with you, and you had been telling me for, for, for many months before, once we had pulled out of Jude Bellingham, it was imperative, imperative, that we acted quickly, swiftly, and efficiently, efficiently to, to resolve any doubts, which there was many in the, in, in, the, in the Liverpool fan base, that we do mean business. This, my friend, is just a start. Yes, absolutely. It's great business and we're going to get into it. But it's just a start, right? But it's a start in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, it completely is. You know, um, I've been saying that this really is the biggest transfer window in the history of FSG's time at the club because we're at a real sliding doors moment for them as owners now. Um, Huge amount of criticism, scrutiny, questioning about them as owners and what direction they want to take us in, especially over the last six months, you know, back to November when stories broke that, you know, they were potentially looking at selling the club and then three months later, then they said, well, actually, we're looking to stay. And then the question was, okay, if you're staying, what are you going to bring to the table? Great that you did what you did in 2010, but that's water under the bridge and then some. You know, that was 13 years ago. What are you doing now? So, you know, now is the time for them to step up, in, especially in light of the fact we missed out on Champions League football. So we really need to th- turn things around quickly and get back into the place that we've become accustomed to as fans over the last several years. And it's time to finally invest heavily in the squad. We've not really seen heavy levels of investment for five years, 2018. So if FSG go through this window without heavy amounts of spend, and obviously it's encouraging that, you know, we're about to get some major piece of business done, what looks like this week. But that, as you say, should just be the start. It should be the absolute minimum. There still needs to be a fair bit of business that needs to get done before the window slams shut. Um, So, you know, let's kind of treat this with cautious optimism, um, but judge them at the end of the window um, in, in a couple of months' time. No, absolutely. Absolutely. As we said, look, Conroy, we, we've been starved. I've always said we do great business. We just don't do enough of it. Uh, and we've been starved of sort of, especially in the central midfield area. Um, and we all know, you know, we, we sort of, what's the word? I want to. I don't want to use any inappropriate words, but we chased Jude Bellingham. We thought the right player, the right player, but then we. I think personally, I think we realised as a as a as a as a coach, as owners, as always part of the recruitment staff, we I think we underestimated the task in hand. We had far more to do uh, than they imagined, and obviously FSG have a budget, uh, like every club, but. 
of course, our, and and then that budget was affected by Champions League, lack of Champions League. So I kind of think it forced us into being creative. And I tend to think when we're our creative best, we're probably at our best, if you know what I mean. So when we when we go for sort of the signings ranging from the 30 to 50 million pound mark, our record suggests we buy stunners. We also buy stunners in Allison and Virgil van Dijk. But I mean, that is our go-to price, right? Sweet spot. So from my understanding and from all the reputable journalists that have come out today and said it, like I said on the show yesterday, my understanding is the, the total package is about 45. Total package. What I've understood today is the actual base release clause figure is 38 million pounds. The add-ons, the bonuses are negotiable. I don't believe they will be disclosed. It will be undisclosed. But 38 million as a base release clause figure, we've done our homework, Conroy. I love when we do our homework. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've said actually in the last year that it's maybe been a bit frustrating at times. Uh, and to be fair, some of those transfers we criticised at the start, we've changed our tune on some of them. But I think it's, yeah, it's actually quite, it's very surprising that you can get a deal like that because when, when you heard some of the rumours about, let's say, 45, I was thinking base 45 plus add-ons, maybe maybe you're talking 60 million, maybe 15 million add-ons, you know, you know what usually happens. But for that to be the rumoured price, it really is quite um, a, a brilliant deal to get over the line. I don't really think, and I said yesterday, and you obviously have to take it in context, but I do think it's a bargain, like... In the context of what signings are going for nowadays, 45 million, if you're even you want to say 38 million base, that that's in my in the way I look at that, that's like a 20 25 million signing five years ago. You know, you know, like you'd, you'd, you'd take a chance on a player, not a punt, but you'd, 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 you wouldn't be heartbroken if it didn't work out. So, I think for me, it's uh, it's outstanding. I would, I would also say as well that. It, I heard some stuff earlier about um, there's comments on, I know it's not been confirmed yet, but about the way. Brighton and the player have kind of dealt with this. They've, they had a, he obviously signed the contract recently to give the club a bit of value as well for him as an asset. So you can tell that there's at least, so far anyway, it seems like there's a good relationship between the player and the club. And again, Brighton are ran very well, so that's not surprising. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, Mo, it's a great start to the window considering the disastrous season. And let's not... Let's not make any bones about it. It was a disastrous season. People can have their own opinion on what they feel was deemed a disaster. For me, a team that is challenging for a quadruple, you know, before the season started, barely five months before the season started, that ends up finishing outside the fifth, outside the Champions League places without any progress in any of the comp cup competitions and losing out to the Champions League place to a team like Manchester United. <laughs> and of course... Newbies, Newcastle, to me, that's a disaster. We needed to make a statement. We have to make a statement in this window. I totally agree with you that this is the biggest transfer window under FSG, I believe, and possibly, possibly in Jurgen Klopp's managerial career, because I think he's he's under potentially huge pressure. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that if you if you analyse the season that's just finished, Yes, FSG um, could have invested a little bit more last summer, but I actually point the blame in terms of a lack of incomings more at not the owners, but the manager himself, Jürgen Klopp. He himself, right at the end of that window, said, I made a mistake. I should have listened to others. Yep. I understand that he was presented with a variety of different midfielders, and he said no. He was, there were only two that apparently he was interested in. Chumeni, who decided not to join us and to join Rowery instead, and Bellingham. And everyone else he was really not interested in. And that was a massive mistake. Massive. You know, he, he put a huge amount of faith and showed loyalty to players that ultimately proved to let him down. Is the long and short of it. You know, he felt that that midfield was good to go for another year. Lots and lots of fans, lots and lots of journalists were questioning whether that was the right decision or not. And they were proven right and he was proven wrong. So he 
had, by his high standards, possibly his worst ever season in terms of what he achieved the season prior to where he ended up. Lots of mistakes, not only with recruitment, team selections, tactics, listening to some of his coaching staff more than he should have, and lots more besides. Um, and Julian Ward, sporting director, is, I believe, a, a person that wanted to move on largely because of Jurgen Klopp. So he has a lot of credit in the bank over all his success over the last six, seven years. Absolutely. However, that can only get you so far. So he has a lot to prove. And one of the ways he can do that is by showing he's learning from his mistakes. So the fact that we might be signing two, three, four midfielders will be a promising start. But beyond that, we'll need to see the proof in the pudding when the season starts. And we'll need to see that this team can build on its form in the last few weeks of the season just finished and take it into next season and become um, a team that can potentially challenge again. So, you know, he, he, I think more than anyone, was to blame for the season that finished, uh, saw us finish fifth. But I think, you know, he deserves absolutely the opportunity to rectify that. And he needs to do that by making those signings. And importantly, going away from some of that loyalty. So it's all well and good signing three, four midfielders. If Jordan Henderson still continues to be a regular starter, then what has he really learned? Um, you know, obviously there's many people that are big fans of Jordan Henderson. I think his days as a top performer are done. You know, I think his legs are going. He, his regression last season for me was immense. And if he continues to be a regular starter, despite a number of new incomings, then that for me would be quite worrying. Yeah, look, I know you're not the biggest fan of Jordan Henderson. Um, I'm not a big fan of the current Jordan Henderson or the one that we've just seen. I don't think anyone is. I don't think anyone can defend Jordan Henderson. And I think there's many players that come into that category, I believe. I agree with you. There's many that come into the category. I'm not, I'm not a fan of this Virgil van Dijk that we saw. We done the rating show yesterday and I was very, very critical of Virgil van Dijk. Fabinho, people of the channel will know my views on Fabinho. I put him in that I put him in the category where you may put Henderson in the season before, whereas you foresee him finishing and ending and saying, look, stop it before he gets really bad. I, I put Fabinho in that category. Um, but you're spot on. You're spot on. Oh, not only does FSG have to learn from their mistakes, uh, but also Jurgen Klopp. And I always put it down to a collective as opposed to just blaming sections or layers of Liverpool. It's always the collective. Guys, there's over 720 of you guys and not even 300 likes. If you think I'm going to be speaking about our new uh, target or our main target now, once uh, before I'll get to 300 likes, then you, you're wasting your time. You might as well log off because I'm going to wait until 300 likes before I hit the uh, before I start talking about anything else. Conroy, World Cup winner, 24, peak of his career, joining us as a Europa League team. What does it say for the price that we're getting him? So we're getting a we're getting a we're getting a World Cup winner in about to get into the prime of his career, playing at the Premiership because he's had he's had Premier League experience. As I said, World Cup winner, international, played at a very good progressive coach, De Zerbi, and Potter underneath there. And before that, knows all the Premier League teams inside out, and we've still managed to pull him even though all for under 40 million, it shows we are still, still a great institution. No, absolutely. And I think, um, obviously, the, the possibility to work under Klopp, even though he's not had a great year, it's still, it's still a big pull. Let's not let's disregard that. You've seen what he's done. He's, you can always look at the examples of Salah, Mane, even Bobby to a certain extent. Like, yeah. He come in as good players and he makes some great players. We talk about the sweet spot signings, but... Him and his, his staff are a good habit of that. We can talk about, is it maybe specifically with the system he has, but it works and it, he's, he's always developed players, especially in our team. Robertson's another one. Um, Trent, you can maybe put in his own because just the, the ability of that kid's ridiculous for on a creative side. But he, if you're McAllister, you, you've seen that in the past as well. And also, so that's from the coaching side and the ability side and where you can get. And as we have uh, Moa said to Grizz last night and 
the panel. I think this guy's ceiling's higher than people think it is. I think, to me, he can hit another level. I think if you watched him in a World Cup final, he was having the time of his life, gets an assist in the World Cup final. This was a player who didn't even, was not even thought of to start the World Cup, uh, bear in mind. Then he's, he starts the game against Poland and gets and starts in the World Cup final, gets assist. So he's had a lot happening. And I was watching, I think I said it uh, recently, I was watching that documentary, the Messi documentary on BBC, and a lot of the coach Scaloni says specifically, um, he, he doesn't really feel pressure, McAllister. Now, I know people can say that, but what they mean by that, it's not in the sense of he doesn't really get too emotional, which is that's maybe one thing if you talk about Argentinian and that Argentinian squad, they do, bar, bar and Messi, they're quite an emotional squad. So I think that's a really other underrated quality he's got as well. And he, I think the last point on him, Grizz, for me, is I feel like he looks at us and feels like we're, we're second, nearly quadruple last year. But there's a there's a changing of the guard right now, and I feel like he has got that confidence to feel like he can come to this team, and it's not just about him, but be a pivotal part, be that guy, be one of that one of the guys in the team. Because I, I I really think his confidence. He's still very young. I feel like he believes he can get to a, a world world class level. Mo, also um, from what we know and what we hear, and especially the way he's been dealing with this situation with his dad, which to me, each to their own, but to me is a good sign when your father, when you've still bestowed the responsibility on your father to handle your dealings, um, to me is a sign of maturity, to me is a sign of good, good upbringing, no dickhead policy, basically. You know the Jürgen, no dickheads? We don't sign dickheads. We don't sign people that have come for money. We don't sign for people that only Champions League. Everything points and should suggest. And, and his time at Brighton, the way the last day he went around crying in tears with the Brighton, this guy, to me, as I said, we don't know too much about him yet, but we will get to know. He, he, he sort of, he's a very classy guy all around. What do, you, what do you think of that? And also... Going on to his playing ability and his playing style, are you a fan? Was you a fan? Did you watch him in the World Cup? And how do you see him fitting into the system as the currently the one that we've we've deployed? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of um, the player himself as an individual, um, you know, you're right. It's something that Klopp values very highly. Um, you know, a player can be an absolutely sensational baller, but if off the pitch. He's a dickhead. If he's an individual, if he's somebody that puts himself above the team, Klopp won't even consider bringing him to the club. Spot. So, you know, that that in itself um, is something that I think the club does a good job of, you know, in terms of due diligence. And let's not forget, you know, um, one of um, Mr. Klopp's neighbours, former neighbours in Adam Lallana, has been around um, McAllister for, you know, a season or two now and has gotten to know the player very well. And I'm sure would have reported back to Jürgen and said, look, you know, this this kid's sound. You know, he's uh, a professional. He will work hard on the training pitch. He will work hard. Massive, on- massive say. Adam Lalana, massive, massive behind the scenes on both sides as a, what would you, what would you call it, Mo? Um, a liaison officer for the both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A matchmaker of sorts, you know. Matchmaker, uh, there you go. Yeah, so, you know, I think um, Klopp, you know, certainly values that, especially from people that he trusts and values the opinions of, and that the Milano is one of them. Um, so I think that would have counted for something for sure. Um, in terms of um, having watched him at, during the World Cup, not a great deal, being honest, um, but um, I, I did watch some of Brighton this season and... Uh, what I saw of him impressed me. Um, you know, he and Caicedo, especially in the centre of the park, um, between them were sensational. And uh, I think there will have to be a little bit of adaption, um, adaptation, I should say, um, in that it appeared to me from when I did watch Brighton, he played a bit more centrally, whereas perhaps in our system, he'll perhaps have to veer either left or right, perhaps more left-sided, um, and then perhaps we'll see uh, what, what happens. But he appears to be fairly flexible. And I think one of the things that I like and which I've been a little bit critical about this club of is we've not really had enough goal contributions from the centre of the park. And yeah, I mean, we, we've absolutely had great success 
despite a lack of goals and whatnot from midfielders. But sometimes having somebody that can score a bit more or carries a, a great goal threat could have made the difference um, in seasons past. And, you know, it does sometimes come down to marginal differences in terms of winning league titles or making top four or not making top four. So, you know, you know, if he's a player, I mean, he scored 10 goals this season in the Premier League. So if he can match that or even exceed it, um, that, that's a big difference compared to what we saw from our midfielders in the season of 22-23. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, as I said, um, it's not a done deal. We have to bear that in mind. We know we've had instances in the past, <clears throat> Nabil Fekir, where even the medical has taken place, even the video shoot that is scheduled for Wednesday to take place. Things can still go pear shaped, guys. Until he's signed that legal document, then he won't be a Liverpool player. But until then, the hope is and the faith is that he will become a Liverpool football player, football club player, representative. I, for one, am excited. I, for one, am very excited with the new price that has been revealed and disclosed to me. As I said, Conor, yesterday, I wasn't overly excited at 60, 70 million. I thought, oh, if that's the majority of our budget being spent, then <clears throat> possible, possible repercussions later on in the window. But now there's no excuse or there shouldn't be, and this is where Mo will be adamant as well, and all the not-so-fond-of-FSG people in the chat, there's over 800, 850 of you close to, hope you guys have all smashed the like button, subscribed, um, even the haters that are in here, welcome, you're all very, very welcome. Uh, I love you all. Um, I, for one, now, I'm excited, more than anxious, about what we do for the remaining window. Does it make sense? The reason why I'm excited more than anxious now, because in the past, if we had spent 70 million, I would have been anxious. How the hell are we going to, because we know we've got limited budget. How the hell are we going to get three, four more players for the remainder of the budget? Whereas now we've got a player in for under 40 million. Now I know we can definitely afford, and we've got the man with the accounts who can tell us we can definitely afford more than two or three players to finish off the window. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, we mentioned it before, it's, um, we'd love this big treasure chest, the cash, but that's not how, how we're ran, so we have to go within our means. Treasure and chest. Like... People call it a war chest. You've war chest. Call it a treasure yeah, chest. yeah, yeah. No, it's well, right. Treasure's different. I like it. Yeah, not bad. But I just... Yeah, I, treasure. I just think, ultimately, we can say that, but... It's not realistic. We've got to be re realistic because um, enough people to criticise it, understandably at times, and I agree with a lot of that at times, but we have to go with what we've got. And so I feel like if you can get this in the door, it allows you to, to view potential other signings that, okay, maybe you've budgeted, let's say, just off the top of my head, let's say, say 20 to 30 mil you had for, let's say, another midfielder. I know it's going to be more than that, but let's just say that was what we're looking at. But because you've managed to save a bit on this as well, it could even maybe broaden those targets as well. Or it might help you out later in the road where you're maybe having a target that everything's ready to go, but you mm. just need a little bit more to get over the line. Like, I'm not an expert in finances of these deals, but I do know at times some are easier than others. Um, I wish all ours were smooth, but that doesn't always seem to be the case. But yeah, I think it's it's, it's excellent, to be honest. Um, I, I genuinely think it's... <clears throat> if I'd said to you at the start of the year, first signing will be a week after the league finishes, if it goes ahead, 24 World Cup winner gets assist in the, the World Cup final, you, you'd be very surprised if that was a 38 million. I mean, that's West Ham's, put it in perspective, West Ham signed Skimaka for 40 million. Morgan Gibbs White, who actually had a very good season, 40 million for Notts Forest, 42 million, I think it was. So, in perspective, it's just an outstanding signing if we can get it over the line. Um, just a couple of super chats that I want to get through before we get into who's next, you ask. Um, are we still pursuing Manu Kone? El Lad says, sorry, I forgot to bring it up. Uh, yes, I believe he is still one of five, six names that I've heard we're interested in. So there's no point talking about all the names that we're interested in, especially on today's show. Today's show, I'm going to specifically give you a name that I was given today of concrete firm negotiations taking place 
maybe as we speak, I don't know, maybe they're still talking. But as of today, uh, my friend Bilal from Slough, big up. I should, maybe I shouldn't have ex exposed where you're from, <laughs> but I've done it now. It's too late. Uh, forgive me. Evening, lads. Mr. Chatra, who would you, who would your, who'd be your preferred additional two or three midfield signings? And hoping we get a left centre back. Your choice. Great work as always. Um, I guess that segues into what I want to speak about now. We've spoken about what we've done so far, and what we need to do. So. I guess I said, I guess I want to combine that super chat, Mo, into which was my question. What do we do next? What do you want to see next for the remainder of the window? Position wise, numbers wise. Okay, so position wise, um, for me, the absolute bare minimum in terms of midfield recruitment uh, was three, three midfielders, perhaps even four. Um, you know, yes, we've got, you know, Curtis, we've got Fabinho. Henderson, um, Elliot, though for me he's not a midfielder. Um, you know, we, we've we've got and obviously Targo, though, you know, there are rumors that, you know, by the end of the window he might be going back to Spain. We'll see. But, you know, minimum three. And, you know, if we get one of those over the line this week, that leaves two more. And with the names that are floating around and there's some strong links, obviously, all the indications are that we should be getting about three in. So, so that's good. But on top of that, um, you know, the system that we've been deploying over the last couple of months is really essentially a back three. Um, and Andy Robertson, who in my view has been on the decline now for a good couple of years, though it's been a gradual decline, admittedly, and, you know, there are times when he still plays exceptionally well, um, is not really, for me, a neat fit in that new system is a bit of a square peg in a round hole. Um, so I think that a proper left-sided centre-back that can still adapt into playing as a left-back if we revert to 4-4-3 in the conventional way um, would be would be good. And, uh, you know, who, who we could bring into that position. I mean, obviously, again, there are a couple of links out there. Um, you know, Timber, I think, is one of the names that's been mentioned. Um, but, you know, if, if if money was no object, you know, I, I would look at um, Guardiol and trying to kind of fit him into that back three. Um, and, and in the same way, you know, again, if money was no object, you know, I'd love Caicedo. I, I think that he is an exceptional player, though clearly he won't be available for the kind of fee when you are near that we're going to be bringing uh, McAllister in that so again that's not realistic um, but all of that said you know the rumor over the last two three months is that FSG quietly have been in talks around selling a minority stake so you know they might be intentionally keeping their powder dry in order for selling clubs not to cap uh, you know hear about okay well FSG are about to come into a windfall of you know three four hundred million pounds. So if if that is in the works and it is advanced, then why not use some of that to um, get a little bit more business done? So you know, in answer to your final question, you know, I, I'd still be hopeful we top in two hundred million. Um, now that might include some sales as well, um, but I, I, I think you know it's definitely affordable even without significant sales. You know, so you know the the, the complaint is often. You know, we have to spend what we generate from sales. That's not the case this window. Um, you know, we've not done a huge amount of business over the last four years. So, um, you know, there are funds there. And I put out a short thread just, I think, last week saying even despite the loss of Champions League football, we'll probably still generate £570 million next season, which is huge. So the money's there. And I hope we spend it. Money's there, um, you know, but I, I find it more, Connor, you know me, I don't really care about how much we spend as long as we do the required business. That's always been my motto. Um, so it doesn't matter if, to me if a player costs 100 million or 40 million, as long as it's not hampering Jurgen Klopp and his vision for how he wants to see this team playing. 
one of the criticisms that we all made is okay. We're we're allowed. We're all allowed an animal in our life. Uh, yeah, sorry, maybe it's just maybe it was buzzing to answer the question there, so she had to jump yeah, up. Yeah, she's getting excited with the name I'm about to drop. You see, she wants in on it. Uh, there's guys. There's a thousand of you loyal, disloyal, unloyal, faithful, unfaithful subscribers, fans. Like the stream, subscribe if you haven't. I should be, according to these numbers, I should be up to 30k now, but I'm not. I'm still about 50, 60 short. So if you're just here for transfer talk, fair play to you, Lord, but come on, show a bit of loyalty, smash that like. Um, Conroy, one of the accusations of Liverpool that we've seen this season past is the lack of energy, fight, drive, legs. Are you actually looking to see who we complement McAllister with now? Because to me, that's all important. Yeah. McAllister is a wonderful technician. Sorry to use Brendan's words. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, a, he's got great character, brilliant technician. But we need energy, legs, one-on-one -on -one dual merchants who will win their battles and then let the likes of McAllister and Trent, of course, do what they do best. Is that is that the profile of player that you're absolutely looking towards? Or... Are you looking for more eights? Like we, we we scouted Mason Mount, who's linked with us. Obviously, looks like he's going to United now. Um, I, I for me, I, I think it's down the athleticism, legs route, you know. And it's not just like any player for that. Obviously, you want them to have quality. But I think it's 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 not rocket science. Our transition's been very poor, and when you've basically try to play a certain way that those players can't do it anymore, it's, it's not going to work. It really isn't that hard to get your head around and I feel like that's important for us especially like I think McAllister to be fair he can press and he can can work hard but like he's not he's not a defensive combative midfielder if you know what I mean whereas I feel like some of the targets we're looking at that's what we need to stop that transition to stop being so vulnerable in that and as well it'll allow us if we want to press higher like we used to do to really suffocate teams in and to have the players to play that way and let's be perfectly honest Klopp's success has came through playing that way Dortmund was playing that way us winning trophies and getting was playing that way. There's been tweaks. I'm not saying it's all the same, but ultimately that's his mantra. And I think at times this season we have changed with putting Trent in midfield recently, but there's a lot of examples where trying other ways didn't work. So I feel like you know that's what he's good at, that coaching staff's good at. So I'm still very much of that opinion. Um, and I feel like, thankfully, who we're looking at, we're complimenting that. I've seen some stuff or we're not looking at exactly at a six. And I've, I've kind of criticised that the past couple of weeks. But I do think some of the players we're looking at, they, they've got a lot of traits that they could, you could use as a potential six. If you want to play a two there with maybe train as a box at the back, you've got a lot of the same qualities that you could do there with, let's say, maybe a two ram or probably a Kony, you could say, can do that as well. So I'm not as worried as I was for that. I just think, as I said earlier, we cannot be going into next season with Fabinho starting every game for the season. I just think that's, you're asking for, it's a bit of a mistake in my opinion for that one. And I feel like getting those legs will really, really help us. Chris, do you feel as well that this kind of idea of getting like, you know, let's say like a technician, I feel like bar Mason Mount, who we're going for an addition, let's say we get McAllister. I think Mason Mount for me was a really big shout was you could see if you maybe watch what he's trying to do with Henderson with this new system, play kind of high and wide to the right, well, you've seen Mason Mount play there before, so he would suit that and also be able to play in midfield. I feel like the targets we're seeing now has kind of went more to that, that athleticism, just to, as I said, for those reasons. Um, but do you think we sometimes get preoccupied because we see what other teams are doing, like Brighton, Man City, I don't think that's us. I don't think that's we're never death by a thousand cuts, tick attacker. That's not us. That's never been the, the you know the the way that we've been massively successful. There's parts of possession in that, but I wouldn't say it's the the philosophy. See, I think I think it's fine margins, guys. I know yeah. where you're coming from, and I know me and you have discussed it in private, and we've done it on shows as well. And Mo can partake in this conversation as well for the first time, probably as well. But I think there's fine margins. I know you've mentioned how Jurgen Klopp has built this team and how we've won the Premier League and Champions League, which was based on the the Brexit midfield. You know, the hardworking, the energizers, energizer bunnies, nonstop, and then let the front three do the magic. And Robertson and Trent in the absolute prime, assisting from fullback area. What we then tried to do was evolve that 
introduced, and the, and the biggest turning point of that was the signing of Tiago Alcantara. The signing of Tiago Alcantara, essentially to replace Ginny Wijnaldum. I, I get it, it wasn't a direct replacement, but you guys know what I mean. Playing style-wise, it completely changed. Tiago Alcantara isn't a Ginny Wijnaldum, uh, and it's proven to not be as well. The introduction of Harvey Elliott, the introduction of Curtis Jones. Um, suddenly, the, the at the same time, the demise of the front three, physical demise, I'd say. Bobby Firmino, Sadio Mane, it was apparent. We changed styles, but guys, I think short memories. I think short memories. That style nearly got us to complete football. We came in within minutes, literally, and a Champions League man of the match, world, one of the world's greatest goalkeepers, man of the match performances from literally winning it all. So is it to say that we would have said, oh, that style didn't work for us if we had won the quadruple, for example? So it's fine margins. But listening to Jurgen Klopp this season, like we all have, not only me, like we've been listening to Jurgen Klopp, and how many times has he spoken about the need to get back to being difficult to play against? My biggest admiration from the team that for the team that I supported was, I used to tell... Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, United fans, do you know we're nasty to play against, you know? You're going to hate playing us. And they used to hate playing us. I think it's fair to say, Mo, we became a soft, soft, easy touch. We were so easy to play against last season and that really, really killed me inside. And it has, by the looks of it, really changed Jurgen Klopp's philosophy on how he wants to go moving forward. You know, I mean, Jurgen Klopp's renowned for this heavy metal brand of football. And yet, in more recent times, it became like soft rock. And, uh, you know, I think he wants to go back to Fear Factory, Machine Head, Slipknot, Sepultura. So metal heads out there, you understand what I'm talking about. Um, that, that brand of football, once again, um, high energy, high tempo, relentless, aggressive and you know that is what has been missing you know if you look at running stats we were we were compiling the most amount of mileage in a match um about four seasons ago and yet in 22-23 we were running amongst the least of any football club in the premier league um and part of the reason is because we had a lack of turnover of players you know it was the same a lot of the same players that have been playing for the last four or five years. And it's a very demanding style. And you can't, you know, these are human beings at the end of the day. They're not, they're not machines. You know, footballers haven't been replaced by AI just yet. Not so, quite. Um, it's, it's going that way. If you, if you, know, you look at, if you look at Man City's players, it, it looks like some of them are. <laughs> you would wonder. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But look, you know, and that is why it's the toll that it's taken all these minutes. You know, I mentioned Andy Robertson before, an absolute legend for this club, a soldier, a warrior. But even he has racked up so many minutes over the last five years and it's taken a toll. You have a limited shelf life playing under Jurgen Klopp. And I think Jurgen Klopp himself struggled to accept that. And that is part of the reason why he's never successfully overhauled a team. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it at Mainz. He didn't do it at Dortmund. He hasn't done it at Liverpool so far. So let's hope that this season coming up is where for the first time in his career he manages that. But it is all key to getting the right players in and then putting that system in place that works to his strengths. And if we get back to that with the right personnel, then with confidence running through and all the rest of it that goes with it, we will be right up there again. I'm confident of that. I think if you look at all of the teams that were in the Premier League this season, for me on paper, despite players within that squad that were past their best, we were still, in my view, the second best squad in the Premier League. But it was a lack of confidence, huge amount of injuries, and all sorts of other issues that caused us to finish fifth. But with the right recruitment, we can easily go back to being the main challenger to City once more.
part of that recruitment, um, guys, it's time to reveal what I've been told today. Reliably informed, I believe the people that speak to me, you don't have to. You can just ignore it. Log off now. Block me. Call me what you want. I can't give a shit. I'll just block you and then laugh at you behind the block screen while you lot moan in your little groups and clicks. Oh, Grizz has blocked me now. Well, you act like a prick. You're going to get blocked. I've been told today reliably that we are to place a, a substantial bid for Kefren Turam, or currently of Nice. Um, I believe six foot four, central midfielder, box to box, some would say. You could play him as an eight, either on the right side or the left side. Predominantly left-sided eight, I believe. Um, I will be getting uh, an expert on Kefren Turam later on in the week to discuss it if things develop, but I'm confident they will, so therefore I will get someone. Um, Kefren Turam, people, I believe the bid will be in the region of, wait for it, we're bargain hunters, we are, in the region, our opening bid will be in the region of 30, 35 million. I have no idea what will happen to that bid, if it will be accepted or whatever, but Kefren Turam is our are fully, fully bona fide target to bring in next. Um, Kefren Turam, Conroy, any, any, any insight into the player, the profile, the price? Yeah, well, actually, I looked, looked at him this weekend. Uh, that was just a coincidence, but you obviously seen some of the rumours and that. Um, Please for Nice. I watched a bit of Liga this season as well. Not going to lie, he's not a love Messi, so that's where most of that came into place. Um, but yeah, I've actually been very impressed in some of the clips I've watched. I've not seen him, seen him in every game, but we just talked about that physicality and having that ability, you know, in transition and just to press and work in the system where Klopp wants to play. But he's also showed um, like he's, um, his technical ability, not necessarily being a technician, but he's got a bit, a bit to his game as well in, in that side of things. I thought he's... What I found interesting is the goals or the assists he got... It was like quite a bit of variety, which I think really suits our team because you, you have to be maybe a bit adaptable as well. You mentioned there, Grizz, a left or a right-sided eight. I think he looked great. I think press-resistant, was quite impressed with that as well when I was watching him. I think to me, it's an ideal signing and I feel like it's one that suits what, what Mo just said about going back to, not back to basics, but back to what was successful. Maybe we tried this evolution. It's not quite worked the way they wanted it to and this would be a, a key sign for me that would suit going back to that you know we say physical monsters if you know what i mean if that's the correct term to say but really to you know suffocate teams i think he would be brilliant for that and i think as well it's one of them that i've, I've got mixed up he was in the french a uh, french um was under 21 squad or under 20 squad i know he scored and um, when he was playing for them so you can tell that you look at us the potential sky high for this kid. I've just said McAllister, I feel he could get to that a high level. I feel like this guy, he, you could see a lot of similarities there. A bit younger, but he could really, really shine for us. So we'll see what happens. What about Grizz? See, see from all the hysteria at the weekend with, with Kone and Turam, did, did you feel that um, what we'd said a couple of weeks ago, a player to come in that midfield, maybe not say exactly the same as Genie Wijnaldum, but someone who could who could bring similar assets to us, similar attributes. Do you feel like he kind of suits that? Or do you think he's going in maybe like Genie 2.0? Or do you think it's just completely different? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't compare him to Genie Wijnaldum. Um, I just think, i tell you what is a good comparison with him and Genie Wijnaldum. Guys, do you remember when Genie Wijnaldum used to pick up the ball and decide, right, I'm going on a 30-meter charge here, and you can do the hell, you can do what you want, but you're not getting the ball off me. Kefren Turam has that drive with the ball. He's a magnificent, one of the best ball progressors in Europe at such a young age. So that actually is a very good comparison to Ginny Wijnaldum. Of course, Ginny Wijnaldum off the ball was probably one of the best I've ever seen, one of the best we've all ever seen. Yep. Obviously, that wasn't always talked about and sort of seen. You can't show. That's one of the intangibles uh, that you can't, you know, sort of see up in, in stats, maybe. Um, Kefren Turan, probably off the ball, absolutely understandable. He's still young, can learn that. But in terms of ball progression, in terms of driving, in terms of energy, in terms of legs, what we need, in terms of our midfield where we haven't seen 
enough of, like Mo was talking about, goals, eight, and people arriving late in the box from midfield, deep surging runs. Um, he will bring that. I think he's, again, one of the players that we've discussed that not specific to one role, has the attributes to be evolved into a couple of roles. Um, and I believe, I don't believe we will buy an out-and-out out DM, for example. But I've often tweeted, if anybody unfortunate enough to follow me on Twitter, I've often referred to uh, us buying players and moulding and using the attributes to how we want them and Jurgen Klopp wants them. I like Gini Wijnaldum, Curtis Jones, Bobby Firmino, even Fabinho. You know, we've utilised their attributes and used them in the past how we want them. Uh, even Henderson has been sort of utilised in something he wasn't. You know, he played at number six for us quite a bit. So, Grace, yeah, can, I think can, I think Turam fits that. Can I just add one thing to that, just on your point, which I, I think what you, you brought up in my mind there. When, see, when we were in, in for Gravenberch and I was looking at, like, his qualities on the ball, you can definitely see, you mentioned a ball carrier, that's also something they're looking at because that was one of his biggest strengths as well, being press resistant and, and obviously carrying the ball out the field, getting it attacking areas. So, I think when we, as you were discussing there, you can, you can see they're looking at, different traits but maybe using a slightly different way. I mean Genie Wijnaldum was was a, a winger slash forward for Newcastle. I think was he not their top goal scorer when they got he relegated? Was. I think he was so absolutely shows you. Yeah. Uh Mo with the with the news of Kefran Turam, I also add that I believe we have agreed personal terms with him. I I from what I believe, from what I've been told, I believe his father is favoring a move to us more positive signs, more father and son relationships, and more impo most importantly, more good players potentially being added to the squad. Kefren Turam, give us what you think, what you know. Yeah, I can't profess to have watched loads of him, um, so I'm not going to pretend along those lines. But uh, in terms of um, the profile, what I've listened to about him... Um, paying attention to those that I trust in terms of um, the scouting side. I think that he has an immense amount of potential. And one of the things that, you know, we've seen us do really well is not buy world-class ready-made players. Um, instead, we've turned players with potential into world-class players. Um, and I think that from all of what I've seen and heard and read about Turam, I think that that's the kind of player he potentially is, somebody who physically has everything that's needed to become a top, top midfield player. Um, and he's shown signs at Nice of um, that great amount of potential. And I think with the right kind of coaching, with the right players around him, and with the right attitude as well, um, the sky's the limit for him. And I think for me, again, I go back to um, us having to harken back to when our midfield was at its best, when it was at its strongest. Um, can Turam help us deliver that? I think he absolutely can. Yes, he is a different kind of a player to a Gini Ronaldo, but at the same time, you know, he can slot in and add certain things that even Ronaldo didn't bring to the table. Yes. Um, Spot on. You know, so, you know that, that that's for me is where I think, you know, it's all about the collective and something being greater than the sum of its parts. So, you know, if, if we exploit the strengths and maximise those strengths of him, McAllister, and whoever that third player is, um, and if they mesh well together and are supplemented by the likes of Curtis, who showed huge amounts in the closing weeks of the season, then we'll have... A midfielder to be a midfield rather to be reckoned with um, in, in the Premier League in the season uh, coming up and in seasons to come. And you know, if if we get it nailed down with the age profile that we're looking at, um, you know, we, we won't have to sign another midfielder for probably several more years. We have. Um, I, I have received a bit more information just before I came on stream, um, and so we're talking about sort of let's. Let's uh, let's just play kind of a comparative game or comparison game in our own heads. This this is not factual. This is just opinions and how may we see things like this. So McAllister as the ball player, guys. Mount was the 
the, the player that we wanted to get into the box from deep, energise on the right-hand side, protecting, also covering an attack, good presser, good off the ball, loads of energy, loads of legs. Obviously, it seems as though he's gone to United. And so, therefore, we've chosen Turam, who many would argue is probably the better profile or better player of the two. Anyway, the other profile of central midfielder, I'd suggest, is a dynamic ball winner, but not a DM per se. Someone who could possibly, who has experience of playing in a two, or possibly can be moulded into playing as a number six. We know the Manu Kone links. I'm not going to speak on that yet because I haven't received any concrete information from the people that I speak to, but we know that we are, we know we are interested in Manu Kone. I've been told today that we spoke to the representatives and agents of Romeo Lavia, uh, the, the young player from Southampton, um, it's very obvious that we're keeping our options open and having loads of options, basically. Two or three in each profile, it seems. Um, some people are asking, for example, where lad says, Chris, what's the thinking behind the Vega links? I think Vega, I think Vega would have been probably a Mount Turam alternative. He's an absolute clone for Mason Mount, if you ask me how to describe Vega. He's an absolute clone of, of Mason Mount similar profile, similar playing style, similar energy levels. So I'm not too sure if we'll pursue that one. That's just opinion. If we do, I'd be very happy with it. Again, someone with a 35 million release clause. So it fits our sweet spot price that we like to go for. Uh, Romeo Lavia, uh, the youngest of all the players that we've been linked with in terms of definitive interest now. We spoke to his people. I don't think it's a priority of ours, but I think it's just an option that we're keeping open and possible possible um, solution to our problems of that third profile. Thoughts on Romeo Lavia, Conroy? Yeah, I think we, we just mentioned this previously. For me, and on a lot of the chat saying this and now, um, what is 19, nearly 20, mm -hmm. 19 years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of the, the comparisons straight away will say, not that they're the same player, but they'll say you've got Stefan Ducetic, who's who's got in the first team and, and has performed well for us this season. So why would you go and sign another 19-year-old? Like They've both got different strengths and weaknesses. Don't get me wrong. It's not a blanket statement for both of them. However, I, I think this one, this is the way I look at this one. I do agree um, that I feel like I'd be a bit underwhelmed if he was assigning to to go with, let's say, McAllister, Turam, and or you want to have the box midfield, let's say we train um uh, Lavia and let's say McAllister Turam, however you want to, you know, shape that up. However, if it's maybe Southampton or have just been relegated, Liverpool are maybe seen as an opportunity to get a good deal over the line for a bit of contingency planning, a bit of continuity planning, which Mo and myself have just criticised on the show about how we've failed to do that in the past, then I would understand it. But it just, I think this one's a bit perspective of what the signing's actually for. Is it to start in the first team straight away or is it, are we just being opportunistic? That's where my head's at with this one. So I'm kind of 50-50. Mm -hmm. Mo, Romeo Lavia, does that tick any of your boxes? Look, if we're talking about Fabinho to be given one more season to, to sort of redeem himself of the horrible season, I'm not even looking at the last 10 games and saying, give him a pat on the back because he was that bad in the opening 30 games or whatever it was. Um, Lavia's a project for sure. But again, has he got the attributes to learn and, and be moulded into the successor to Fabinho if we were to pursue him? Um, potentially. Uh, I mean, if you listen again to people that, you know, watch huge amounts of football, um, they'll say, yeah, Lavia absolutely is a work in progress. But in terms of his potential upside, it's as high as any player of that age. Um, yes. Massive, massive potential. And uh, obviously with any player with a huge amount of potential, um, you know, too often we see it not materialise into anything substantive. So, you know, it, if we did sign him, maybe the better thing would be to send him out on loan to the right kind of club that plays the right kind of football and see how he develops there rather than keep him on the bench for us. Maybe his minutes are very limited to just Carabao and FA Cup matches. And, 
is that the best thing for his development? Perhaps not. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, if we did sign him, my inclination would be to loan him out rather than to make him a, a, a player that might not even make the match day squad most weeks. Yeah. Look, I appreciate all of you lot try asking about different, different players. We're not going to go through a whole heap of players because we could be here all night. Um, I believe Liverpool are in talks with at least five, six central midfielders, at least three or four centre-backs because that's the market we're dealing with. That's the that's the way we deal with things. We, 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 we've seemingly become more active this summer. Have to, in most cases, in most of our opinions, have to be active. Um, and of course, incomings will be... Uh, I think substantial. I, I think we're probably looking at at least another three incomings, at least another three after McAllister. But let's see how it goes. But with that mode, there has to be, or there's probably has to will be some tough decisions. One of the most one of the most decisions, uh, tough decisions that Klopp has to make now is what he does with Fabio Cavallio. Fabio Cavallio, we know, has been uh, interested. Fabrizio Romano has, has, while been on air or just before we came on air, has spoke about Leipzig being interested in him making a, a first bid and then possibly coming back with another bid. I'm not aware of that, but Fabrizio is the king. Is so Fabrizio says it. It's, it's, it's what I do know is Burnley and West Ham have also made loan inquiries. Fabrizio is suggesting Leipzig want him permanently. From what I understand, Burnley and West Ham want him for a season-long loan and are prepared to pay a million and a half for a loan fee, which is obviously nothing. What, what's your thoughts on the Cavalier then? What do you do with Cavalier? It's a difficult one because on the one hand, you know, we clearly were after him in a big way because, you know, we didn't manage to get him over the line in January 22 and yet we went back for him in the summer and got the deal done. Um, so we didn't give up on him and we clearly saw something in him or somebody at the club saw something in him. I'm not convinced Klopp saw something in him because he really, for me, didn't show enough faith in the player. He didn't give him enough of a chance. Um, certainly, you know, if you look at the chances he gave to Harvey Elliott, um, for, for me, that was a, an experiment and it was a, ultimately a failed experiment. He got far too many minutes in midfield. And yeah, I mean, sure, some of the type, some of the performances from Elliot were pretty decent, but there were many, many where he was completely out of his depth. So that was a player who got chance after chance. Carvalho, almost the opposite. So it seemed a bit odd. It seemed a bit of an odd one that why have we put so much effort into getting him into the club and then putting so little in terms of opportunities to really develop him? Um, and what's his future really looking like? Not not so great. So I think the better thing might be perhaps to even sell him and um, have a buyback option. So if he develops elsewhere, we have potentially first refusal on him. Um, obviously, the loan option might be a good one as well. But given the system changes we saw, I'm not really sure exactly where he fits in. And especially with the depth we have up front as well, um, I think he'd get he'd have a real hard time getting a look in. So, yeah, I don't see how he has any real long term future at the club. So, it might be better to cut our losses and moving on. Um, I've already spoken to you, Conroy, about Fabio. We spoke about it on the Red Fellas last night. So, there's no much point. I'll reiterate. I believe if. I believe if Fabio Cavallio leaves Liverpool this summer, either if it's a loan, I think that will be the end of Fabio Cavallio's career. I think if he stays, that will be a very good positive sign for him. Um, but if he, even if he's sort of said to be sent out on loan with whatever or buyback clause if he's sold, yeah, I, I think that will be the end of Fabio Cavalia, which will be a shame, which will raise a few questions and we'll address those questions if that happens. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. We just know that a lot of clubs are obviously alerted to the availability because these inquiries don't come just out of the blue, guys. There is some conversations being had with agents, clubs, players that, you know what, Fabio Cavalio may be available at Liverpool. 
Um, and so therefore these clubs are coming into conversation. People asking about all sorts. Um, guys, this has been an impromptu show just about McAllister and, and the name that I've given you guys today, which we will be hearing more of in the next 48 hours, I believe. Kefren Turam, I believe an official approach bid will be going in in the next couple of days. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. Guys, I thank you very much for your time. Mo, it's an absolute pleasure. Of course, we will be having you on far more regularly, hopefully, fingers crossed. Thank you very much again. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And Conroy, thanks for doing a bit of overtime today. Um, yeah, no worries. <laughs> you know, uh, I've taken you out of your comfort zone of red fellas and all the other fellas around you. So, you know, yeah. but you was magnificent as usual. You was brilliant as usual. So I value your friendship and your time. Um, people in the chat, I value your subscriptions. I value your likes, your input, your love, your hatred. I value it all. It's all part and parcel of the game. Thank you very much for participating in today's Transfer Carnage. We will be back when there's a need to be back, which could be tomorrow, which could be 48 hours. You know how the game goes. This has been... Transfer Carnage. Hopefully I've got the right outro. Take care. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply